everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room, where we talk all things comics and movies. This is episode number six, where we're discussing the Marvel and DC TV specials and season premieres. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Sanjay. He's back! That's right, from a one-episode hiatus. Just want to give a shout-out. Thank you, Troy, for filling in. He did an excellent job. But, you know, I shouldn't actually say filling in. We're thinking that Troy's going to become a regular host. I mean, he did an excellent job. He was a much better conversationalist than I ever could have been in Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I would have just been asking really stupid questions, and you would have got super annoyed, and that would have been the last episode we ever did. (laughs) (laughs) So we made the, the jump to iTunes last week, and we had a really great response from everyone, and we really appreciate... You know, all the people that were downloading all the episodes and that and were supporting us through iTunes. It's been great. Yes, thank you very much. I'm overwhelmed by the support we've got in iTunes. It's just been anything past my wildest dreams. You guys have been excellent. Thank you, guys. Like, I never would have thought this would have been possible, but just want to say big shout out to everyone who gives us a listen. You're the true superstars here. I wanted to give one special shout out to my cousin. You can find him on Twitter at Ace10Bomber. Um, <laughs> I've dubbed him our hype guy. Uh, he's been pumping us out east, and uh, we want to make sure to give him an extra special shout out before we got going here. All right, man. So let's get into some news here. All right. So we literally just watched, or you just watched, That's the right. Deadpool Australia Day trailer. And officially today is Australia Day, or I guess yesterday or whatever well it's like three days ahead in australia so <laughs> good night mate you know you're probably listening to this tomorrow that, yeah. that, that wasn't australian at all that was like an east indian british guy i don't even know <laughs> sorry i just offended a whole continent we, do we have any australian listeners uh, not yet not yet we're still oh, working yeah. on those ones right, i think right. we got one guy from great britain <laughs> <laughs> we, we were gonna have one guy he was gonna click on it then he heard my australian accent he's like nope <laughs> <laughs> but you know we were talking just before the show here and you know, this has to be some of the best promotional material I have ever seen. Oh, Deadpool? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like, this, they're just killing it. They had this Australia Day thing. They've had these big billboards that had, uh, there's the emoji one yeah. that had kind of the, the skull, the poop, and the L. Oh, classic. And then there's Deadpool. what other one? I don't know if these are all real or if people are making these <laughs> up on the internet, but there's one where it looked like it was a Deadpool face right over top of an amazing Spider-Man big poster on the side of a, a, a movie theater oh really yeah and they've had a ton of different like little snippets and scenes there's one where they introduced it was going to be a rated r movie and he went and beat up slater <laughs> <laughs> and it was just fantastic and the thing that i love about it is that they really give us an insight into what ryan, ryan reynolds is and how he's going to portray deadpool without really showing us a ton of frames of the movie and i really appreciate that like i think that's a really cool way to doing this oh i agree you can really tell this is a passion project for ryan reynolds like he's been trying to get this movie made for years and rightfully so just from the promotional stuff we've seen this is gonna be excellent i'm so excited just picked up my tickets today actually i, I really love that he keeps acknowledging his past fails yes. in in the superhero world and <laughs> the, the, the you know the comic book movie world because he acknowledges green lantern right in the movie oh yeah yeah and in this australia day one he acknowledged the farce that was deadpool <laughs> in wolverine origins it's pretty much deadpool in name only yeah i don't know much about the character but I can tell you that probably has nothing to do with the character, what they gave us. No, so I'm interested to see, you know, I, I would guess this thing's going to get greenlit for a sequel mm-hmm. uh, to see if they can replicate this kind of promotion material over and over again or if this is kind of a one-shot sort of deal. Yeah, I mean, I've heard tracking numbers getting as high as $60 million opening weekend, so... Oh, wow. Well, yeah. they're also petitioning, or the people are petitioning, to have a rated PG-13 
kind of cut release and i don't think that's the way to go no absolutely not you know that annoys me if they do that that's like going to like a steak restaurant and then being like oh you can't serve steak here because babies can't eat it so you can only serve blended steak no way this is rated (laughs) r this is the way it should be deadpool is rated r you can't you can't no pg-13 please sometimes your metaphors are (laughs) just (laughs) woo. it makes sense though (laughs) i love them though i love them (laughs) I stayed up all night thinking of that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So we're only, what, three weeks in 2016? Yep. And we're already going to start talking about <laughs> 2017. It's never too early. I guess not. Especially when it talks about when we're talking about Star Wars news. Yes. Big... Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> That's Star Wars? You're getting closer. <laughs> it's better than the last one. Yes. <laughs> but the big news of the week was Star Wars Episode Eight was pushed back six months to December of 2017. Yep. And now it's moving to that kind of Goldilocks zone as far as movie releases. And we kind of talked about this before mm-hmm. when we're talking about, you know, maybe someone should plant a flag in that. Yeah. And it looks like Disney might just be doing that. Oh, yeah. Like, the flag's in there. Who's going to take it over? Like, Avatar, every other franchise is going to stay away probably six weeks from that date from now on. It's funny you say Avatar because... Fox said that it's delayed now again, Avatar 2. Oh, it's, how convenient. It's pushed out of that <laughs> slot. But they say it was never actually slated to go in there. But yeah, let's, just, like... let's just all say, you know, it's a good thing Star Wars took over Avatar. I hated seeing that movie number one and highest grossing movies of all time. It's an okay movie, but to be honest with you, when I think number one, Star Wars makes a lot more sense. It's not going to touch it. No. Globally, though. Like, holy man. It's still got really? like, yeah, it's still got $900 million to go before it touches it or something. 800 or something close, close to that. So there's two main reasons that they're talking about why Star Wars was pushed forward six months. One being maybe it's trying to fill in that time slot as far as movie release dates. You know, we've got the three biggest movies of all time coming in in that, in that particular weekend in December. Right. Also, there's talk of rewrites. Mm. And in particular rewrites to focus the story a bit more in on ray finn and poe it's interesting that they weren't as prevalent as maybe the fans would have wanted already in episode eight so i'm kind of curious as to where they're going so it looks like we're gonna get a lot more inclusion of those three protagonists in the in the new star wars movie so rewrites to get more of them i'm happy with it you know a lot of people are quite upset about this but i'm okay with it you know if if we have to wait six more months to make sure we get the perfect movie I'm completely, completely on board with that. You know, as a Batman vs. Superman fan, I agree. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know what? The movie only comes out once. So take your time. Make sure it's what you want. Don't want to rush these things because these things last forever, especially a Star Wars movie. That movie's going to be so scrutinized, so debated until the end of time. So take your time. Six months is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And to be honest with you, I think the rewrites is a great idea. I really like those three new characters. Let's see more of them. Let's see, you know, this is going to feel probably more like their trilogy. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely good. It's, they seem to be wrapping this whole movie or this whole trilogy around those three characters now, which everyone loved them. Me personally, you know, I thought all three of them were fantastic, as I've said many, many times on this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to move forward from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, now. <laughs> so now with uh, Star Wars vacating that May 26, 2017 spot, we now see Pirates of the Caribbean moving up into that slot as well as a slight shift from the end of July to the start of July with the Spider-Man reboot being produced by Marvel Studios. 
So we get a kind of just kind of shuffling of little kind of puzzle pieces around the Disney organization, some of their big temple movies. Man, Pirates of the Caribbean, talk about a franchise that's kind of fallen off the cliff there. The first movie was fantastic. Everything after that, I haven't been that big of a fan. I mean, I really love the first one, but I don't know. Do we really need another Pirates movie? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, the, the first one I really, really enjoyed. It was fun. And then they steadily declined in quality, it seems, as they went on. I barely remember the fourth one. Yeah. I remember seeing the third one, and I was so confused. It's kind of like The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Same type of franchise. First one, excellent, and then a steep decline in quality. It's looking like Disney's going to have a big year, because in May of 2017, mm-hmm. we also have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Okay, yeah. Which I'm thoroughly looking forward to. And we got a little bit of news this week. Some very interesting news. And I'm, I'm really curious at your your reaction to this. So there was talk that the main villain is yep. going to be Ego the Living Planet. Love it. Bring <laughs> it on. It fits that franchise. Oh, yeah. I mean, Guardians is all about fun. I mean, the last movie they won by having a dance-off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And James Gunn, you know, if anyone can bring Ego the Living Planet to life, it's James Gunn. Now, for those of you that don't know, Ego the Living Planet is literally as it sounds. It's a, a living, breathing, sentient planet that's, you know, at times an adversary of Thor, Silver Surfer. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious as to the way this goes. Personally, I don't think... It's going to be the villain. No. I think it's going to be something that the Guardians stumble upon. Okay, yeah. Find out that it's sentient, maybe ask for some advice, something like that. This kind of living, breathing planet. I don't know. I, I see it as kind of the ends from Lord of the Rings. Like, yeah. it's he's kind of awoken by them being present and then it offers some sort of advice or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be really cool. It'll be cool to see kind of just this face that usually has this weird goatee and stuff like that <laughs> uh, in the comics. So it's, it's going to be quite cool to see. Well, what was that uh, in the first one? There was a giant head floating through space. That's nowhere. That's It's a severed head of a celestial, and it's kind of like, in the comics, it's a base of operations for the Guardians themselves. Okay. And in, in the Guardians movie, it was just kind of like a mining colony or whatever that the Collector yeah. was on. But yeah, it was a kind of a different take on it. But yeah, we've already seen something that kind of resembles that a bit as far as scale and size, so it'd, it'd be cool to see. Yeah, no, totally. I'm down. I mean, and you know, if it is the villain, it's kind of like a Death Star. Don't you think? It's like this giant planet that could maybe, you know, take over and they got to... Interesting. I haven't really thought of it that way. They got to shoot. They could either <laughs> go by like the plane so the Milano could be flying, but then you could also have some of the ground people so they're on the ground trying to destroy the planet. How long until we get the uh, comic book Guardians and Star Wars crossover? Ooh, that's interesting. Interesting. It's going to happen. I think, they, well, it'd just be some like spun out random one shot or whatever. Yeah. I think it'd be kind of cool. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not, a, it can't be an ongoing or anything, trust <laughs> universes or anything like that. I don't want that. Yeah. But a cool one shot where maybe Star Lord and them stumble into the Star Wars universe or vice versa yeah. or whatever. You know, you have the Infinity Gauntlet or something like that or, yeah. you know, some big powerful whatever that you could kind of transport you to the Star Wars universe. Eh, it'd be kind of something cool to see. I'm telling you, this is a story, okay? Write this down, Disney. Vader gets the Infinity Gauntlet, so Thanos has to team up with the Guardians and with the Resistance to take down Vader. That's a million. That's a million issue comic sold right there. That was like a whole bunch of my favorite things shoved into <laughs> one single sentence. <laughs> Anyone who wants to, you know, put together a picture of Vader with the Infinity Gauntlet, send us a tweet. We'd love to see what you guys could come up with. That. All right. So you're familiar with the fact that I collect things, right? Um, no, actually, you're very bad for collecting things. You always throw things out, and 
You know, you never keep things in pristine condition. You always just play with it and ruin it. That is a bold-faced lie. <laughs> As you can see by everything around us here. <laughs> Tim, it's a podcast they can't see. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, that meant you. You kind of get the gist yeah. of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff down here. <laughs> it feels like I died and went into nerd heaven. <laughs> so, the other day, or not too long ago, they announced the first wave of Batman vs. Superman Funko Pops. Okay. So, we had... Batman and Superman 2-pack. Right. There's a Wonder Woman and Aquaman and a Lois Lane, and there's a couple exclusive in that. But there's one noticeable absence in that line, and that was an armored Batman figure. Oh. Funko Pop. Yes, yes. And the other day, we found out why. Okay. And I'm curious if you're going to get in on this. All right. Funko announced yes. what's called a Legion of Collectors subscription box Okay. for dc collectors oh my goodness <laughs> take my money take my wallet i'm sorry that is insane the first exclusive funko pop is the armored batman oh <laughs> you're killing me like you know how can i afford this like i think i need to take out like a whole new nerd line of credit with my bank or something yeah i think so because these things are bi-monthly okay they're $25 American, okay. which is going to hurt us a bit. Oh, it's like it's Canadian. 80 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the shipping's like 15 bucks, and it's pretty. It's flat across the border, so it's, okay. it's fine. So I think they come up to about $40 Canadian. Okay. Um, they come every other month, and I think this is something you should really get into because I love getting these. Well, now I get them every month because the stores of Marvel are offset by Right. Month, and they're just fantastic. It's fun to get them. You get the exclusive pops that are otherwise really, really difficult to get. Yeah. And the DC stuff's looking pretty cool, so... It looks like they're starting to catch up with Marvel and Star Wars as far as depth and coverage of collectibles. You know, it's about time, but, uh, you know, it's that's a great, great idea. And I might actually have to jump on board with that. I mean, Funko Pop, if you're listening, tell you what, I'll jump on board tomorrow if you release a nerd room set. The three of us, me, Tim, and Troy. I think I would buy like a hundred and just give them to like everyone I know. Like, I'll just be walking down the street and be like, hey, send you a Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that would so, be great. Listeners, make sure you email your local Funko Pop retailers or Funko Pop salesmen and really pump that uh, Nerd Room Funko Pop. There you go. <laughs> it's, we're going to make this happen. Yes, we are. <laughs> Even if we have to customize them ourselves. <laughs> also speaking about toys and collectibles. Yes. You know, I, it, it's it's great that we're getting so much stuff. And we talked a couple weeks ago about the Marvel Legends line. And the fact that we weren't hadn't seen any Civil War action figures yet, particularly in the six inch. Right. And man, were we just hit with three. <laughs> Holy, we got Cap, Iron Man, and asking you will receive a Black Panther six inch Marvel Legend. Boom. It's about time. The Black <sighs> Panther figure. Man, I've been wanting one of these for a long time. I'm going to have to cross enemy lines here, Tim, and pick up. Probably all three of them. I mean, they look fantastic. Well, this is in a series of what is usually six or seven figures, depending on the size of the Mm Build-A-Figure. So expect to see a couple more. Now, sometimes you usually have three or four movie figures, and they're mixed in with some comic figures. I'm hoping they fill out this wave with movie figures, similar to what they did with the Guardians line, what was six figures that were just Guardians, and the the Builder was, or the Build-A-Figure was Groot. Okay. So we'll see how they fill out. Yeah. Now, these things generally come out before the movie but we didn't see the age of ultron wave until uh, july yeah um well particularly the hulkbuster wave and then we got the ant-man wave but hopefully we see these around may kind of or just before may uh, maybe or maybe not depending on the distribution in canada but super stoked that we're actually getting a black panther 
six inch legend oh yeah it looks so sick you can see his costume it looks so awesome here's a question have they ever had a black widow legend figure yep okay okay that's yeah. good that's good I, I haven't seen it before but then again i haven't really been looking so uh... <laughs> there was one in the uh winter soldier wave oh okay uh, and... the, the swap out heads there was the winter soldier and then also a swap out head for uh the avengers haircut so so wait it was black widow who switched her head with Winter Soldier's head? No, no, no. no. Oh. I heard the Black Widow comes with two different heads. Oh, okay. And so she can be Winter Soldier yeah. with kind of the long straight hair or Avengers Widow oh. with kind of the shorter hair. Um, so you said they're probably going to be about seven figures? Usually six or seven. It depends. The, the Hulkbuster was seven figures, I think, uh, because it had so many big pieces. And they're usually about six. All right, we'll, we'll say six. Predict the other three. What I would like to see, I'd probably like to see a Vision. Mm-hmm. Maybe a crossbones would be oh, pretty cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So there's a crossbones in the smaller line in the two inch line, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then a Winter Soldier. I imagine we'll probably get a Winter Soldier. So they have the buck for Winter Soldier already. They could probably make a crossbones pretty easy. And they kind of just released a Vision comic, so they can kind of tweak that a bit to maybe making it more of a, a movie Vision. Oh no, that'd be awesome. Maybe and, Nick Fury. Yeah, there's a Nick Fury in in the Ages of Shield pack not too long ago. Uh -huh. But how sick would the build a figure be? giant man oh i'm so there <laughs> tell me oh that is so sick oh that'd be awesome yeah i think that's what it's gonna be without a doubt been hearing some rumors batman v superman figures five to eight now i've heard rumors that two of the figures one's gonna be lex and the other one's gonna be nightmare batman nightmare batman that's the desert batman that's right that's right with the uh, trench coat and it's kind of all sandy and he's got goggles i think that's really cool i think they yeah. should do that because there's a funko coming out of that as well oh, okay my thing is That'd be the third Batman figure, and only one Superman figure. It's Batman v Superman. Show Superman some love here. I'd love to see a Clark Kent figure, maybe a Bruce Wayne figure even. Ah, uh, you're never going to get guys in suits. No. They don't sell very well. <laughs> what about to the business crowd? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think I might be the only person on Team Superman here. I, I can't think of anyone else. Everyone else is Team Batman. I'm Team Batman. Oh, without a <laughs> doubt, you are. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, Batman's had way better stories than Superman. There's no denying that. But something about the character, Superman, he's just so, he's just so awesome. I mean, he's the world's first superhero. How could you not love the guy? I'm still on Team Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim, talking a little bit more about the 2017 movie slate. Now, we're hearing rumors that uh, Tom Cruise has been cast in The Mummy. <laughs> now, I want to ask you, because I honestly don't know. Is this the Brandon Fraser mummy, or is this the Universal Monsters mummy? Are they the same? No, I don't think so, because Brandon Fraser's mummy, wasn't he, like, going and, like, it was kind of like Indiana Jones, where he's going on adventures, but then the Universal mummy, isn't it just, like, the bandage mummy, like the cliched bad guy you always see on TV? I don't know, I assumed this was kind of, well, they called it a mummy reboot, so I assumed it was the Brandon Fraser, so, but I, Tom Cruise is an interesting choice, because... Mm -hmm. You know, really, these things you want to franchise a lot of them, right? And yeah. is Tom Cruise someone that's going to take you nine years into the future when you have your third kind of mummy reboot movie? Maybe, I don't know. maybe not. It might be a bit too old. He's pushing like sixty by then, maybe. He looked pretty Jack in Mission Impossible Five, so I don't know. I wouldn't put anything past him. Yeah, I guess maybe you could take that franchise, but I don't know if this is part of. I know Universal's trying to build this kind of monster movie kind of universe, and it hasn't really got off the ground very well. So mm -hmm. I don't know if it's another piece of that, or if they've kind of pulled back from that and are now kind of saying, "Oh, hey, we're just going to throw Tom Cruise in a mummy movie with a bunch of CG and see what happens." Yeah, worst movies I've ever made. So I'll be there. It'd be interesting to see. A little bit of sad news, though. Terminator Genesis, the sequel, just announced number two has been canceled. Now, Terminator Genesis may not have been 
the best movie. But I just love the Terminator franchise. I mean, I don't know what it is about it. I've always loved this franchise. It's always had a special place in my heart. The first two are excellent. The third one's okay, but I mean, they've had two back-to-back bombs with Salvations and Genesis. I think the trick here is you can't just name your Terminator movie some weird name. It's got to go in numerical order for it to be successful. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I really loved it. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger's done in the Terminator role. I think this was probably his last movie. Do you think there's any chance of maybe a reboot down the road or is it done? They got to sit on this thing for a while now. Yeah. I don't think, you know, it's with two kind of mediocre movies and I haven't seen Genesis, but everything I've heard is that it is in fact mediocre and maybe it's time to put this away for a little bit and then revisit it 10, 15, 20 years down the road and kind of reboot this thing. You know, you're playing a lot of nostalgia, a lot of kind of 80s reboots coming out or 80s remakes and stuff like that. I think it's time maybe just for some of these, just kind of put them on the shelf for a bit and just kind of wait it out. You know, we don't need another Terminator reboot in two, three years. You know, this franchise has proven that it's not going to make a ton of money. Nope. And maybe it's time to put it away for someone to come off like a, you know, someone like a J.J. Abrams sometime in the future, pull it off the shelf, going back to the roots of what James Cameron did in one and two. Yeah. Maybe just make it like more modern because like, Maybe instead of it having taken place in the 80s, have it take place in 2017 or whatever. Um, You know, sad, but I think Genesis accomplished something that Skynet never could. Killed Terminator. (laughs) (laughs) So also, I didn't know this, but you pointed this out. 2017, we're getting another Planet of the Apes movie. It's been a long time between movies. I mean, it's longer than usual. It was, what, three, four years? It was 2013. Yeah. So that's like four years. That's a long time for... In between movies, and in between the first one and the second one was quite a while away, too. Yeah, I don't know if it takes a long time to put together this almost all-CGI movie. Yeah. You know, and to get to perfect the apes, you know, they might have kind of the the, the shapes and stuff like that, and the, kind of the initial computer graphics of them, but to, to actually put that together, I think it's quite time-consuming. So, you know, again, it's I love the series, I love the originals. Oh, yeah. And I'm really excited to see what they do kind of going forward, if they... I'm hoping they eventually get into this scene where the world is completely gone, completely, yep. and we get kind of that Statue of Liberty scene. How great would that be? Oh, I think that's the next movie coming up. Um, I don't know if you watched this, but I remember as a kid, every New Year's Eve, they would have the Planet of the Apes marathon. So it would start with the first one with Charlton Heston, move on, and then by the end, you know, it would be past midnight. I look forward to that thing every year, even though it was the same movies year after year. I love that. I mean, I don't know about you, but in terms of, franchises that i get most excited for planet of the apes excluding superheroes it's probably top three for me yeah i'd have to it's it's close up there for me i wouldn't say top three but you know i quite like it and it's something i visited and watched a lot with my with my dad a long time ago and he's the one that first kind of introduced me to it and i still have them to this day and they're on tv i'll check them out for sure it's definitely like the dad movie i watched it with my dad too i don't know what it is (laughs) but like in the dad newsletter it's like you must watch planet of the apes with your son (laughs) (laughs) all right so for New to Nerd this week, we're going to briefly touch on movie poster collecting. And as we've made it quite aware on the podcast, both of us really enjoy collecting movie <laughs> posters. So, you know, and we're both kind of relatively new to it within the last kind of three, four, five years or whatever. So we thought maybe we'd chuck some pointers out there, maybe save you from doing a little Googling or kind of misunderstanding some of the stuff. Sorry, Tim, before we begin, you've recently accomplished a very big goal in your movie poster collecting. Do you want to tell everyone what that was well sanjay facilitated me acquiring 
both the Iron Man number one and Incredible Hulk movie posters. That's right. And that officially fills out my goal of going back and collecting the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe poster collection. So now I have from Iron Man through to Ant-Man, and I'm set. I haven't got them all up yet. Um, I've got a nice big hallway in my in my house here that I'm going to put them all down so kind of make it look like a, a movie theater hallway. Oh, no, absolutely. What are you going to do when Phase 3 comes out? Because <laughs> you're going to have to like layer it up? Because it's going to be like another five, six, seven movies. Uh... Yeah, I might have to start exchanging some of them out, at least some of the classic <laughs> stuff. Because my plan was to kind of do them in order. Yeah. And once yeah, Phase 3 comes out and we're getting three movies a year, yeah, it's going to be too much. <laughs> so I might even have to scale back to just getting kind of one of the two. Because I have like each one, I have the teaser and the regular poster. Wow. Which, you know, is an interesting segue into the different types of posters that we can get. So the theatrical posters, the ones that both of us collect, they've been standardized since I think about the mid-80s to this kind of 27 by 40 inch uh, size. So this is kind of, they're quite large. And Mm -hmm. they're the ones that actually you actually see in the movie theaters. And they're double-sided as well, uh, which is key thing for kind of poster collectors because the light boxes, and I don't use light boxes or anything like that, but what the double-sided is is it's essentially the print is on the front and the back. And so when you shine a light from the back, you get kind of this more vibrant-looking poster. Oh, cool. I had no idea. I always wondered why they did that. Yeah, yeah. So any kind of movie posters below before the, the mid-'80s and that always just had a white back. Mm-hmm. And usually now you can get, they're called usually called reprints, um, and they're kind of the ones that are usually run off the line in a lot higher quantity is ones with the white backs. And they're all, usually a lot cheaper, too. You can get those on average for about 15 bucks. Yeah. Where for a big time kind of you know blockbuster movie, you're paying anywhere between fifty and two hundred dollars for the double sided kind of twenty seven by forty poster. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? The white backs they look pretty good. If you're not really a hardcore collector, I suggest going with those. To be honest with you, especially to start, because you know it is a big commitment to put these posters up because they are quite large. And you know what? You may get a couple and decide, hey, this isn't for me. So that's why I suggest you know I think start with the white backs. And if you really enjoy it and you think, hey, this is great, then move into the double-sided. Yeah, and the thing with the double-sided is that they're considered kind of the originals, so they're printed off in a lot lower quantity than you would with the whitebacks. So that's why you do see some of the prices going up quite rapidly, is that mm-hmm. they're a lot harder to get. They're the ones that the companies use to kind of promote and sell the movie, and these are kind of your authentic movie posters. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Tim, how do you store yours? So I have mine all rolled up in tubes, but I don't know if, you know, keeping them rolled up for that long is a good idea. Maybe I should buy extra frames and just put them there, but then that gets kind of pricey. How do you, how do, you do it? Well, you gotta, you gotta be careful because rolling is fine. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're rolled up and they're, and they're stored in kind of a plastic sleeve in an acid-free tube. That, the key thing is you don't want the paper actually coming in contact with like a like a cheap cardboard or something because the acid will go through and it will eventually break down the paper. Oh, okay. And having them rolled is, is probably a good way because it does avoid any kind of ripping or tearing along the edges unless you're bumping within the tube. So just put some like uh, bubble pop plastic oh, stuff yep. in the top and bottom end of it. And then when it comes to kind of putting them on the walls and that, like generally I use just the... the the big frames from Michael's mm-hmm. and they have kind of just a, a plexiglass plexiglass is kind of key because one it's not heavy so when hanging on the wall it's better two it doesn't break uh, so the problem with glass is if it does break it's generally going to fall in and slice the poster yeah and three the glass itself can trap moisture mm-hmm. and if you ever seen an old uh, picture frame or whatever that's glass and it's got a picture pressed up against it yeah a little moisture gets in it actually sticks to the glass and when you pull it off it rips right. it completely destroys your poster 
So until you get to a point where you're ready to hang things, I'd keep them in the tubes in that. No, that, that's good advice. That's advice I'm going to take. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing, too, about collecting them. So there's usually two types of movie posters. So there's the what's called the advanced, mm-hmm. and it's usually quite minimalist. It usually just has either a logo, it doesn't have any characters or faces or anything like that on it, and then usually just has coming soon. You can see right up here, I got the Star Wars Force Awakens one. Also, it's December. Very, very minimalist, very simple. Kind of just gets the point across. It's called the advanced. Oh, okay. And then there's called what's called the regulars, mm-hmm. which are usually your character posters, where you kind of have that montage of character faces or whatever something like that it's usually the one that goes with the main movie it's the one you see going into the movie theater usually and that usually comes out a month or two or three before the actual movie hits so it's kind of the two separate so i collect both right now um i'm a big fan of the the advanced kind of the minimalist Mm -hmm. and because the character posters aren't always kind of you know the best formatted and that but some of them are cool but the minimalist kind of advanced ones are the ones i think that are, are really cool just a little tease you know just exactly. don't want to give you the whole thing right away especially on you know first showing so exactly just gonna give you a little bit of a tease <laughs> and then there's usually an international and a domestic poster so the domestic poster for canada is and the in US. english or yeah. french <laughs> <laughs> exactly and it usually has the release date on it whereas the international just has coming soon on it oh okay um so to be the exact same poster all, all the thing that changes is the actual release date at the bottom and the language yes (laughs) at times yes (laughs) so you know that's kind of weird actually i never noticed but movie posters don't have english and french on them in canada but they probably should it's all right (laughs) well i mean i i'm not like advocating for it but you know just thinking that star wars the force awakens what would that be in french like le star de was the wakens of the force <laughs> that is, that is that's how you speak french for all those in the united states listening to us <laughs> they speak french in the u.s i think not like they do up here <laughs> yeah that's the french canadian yeah you can tell by the uh, thick uh maple syrup accent that i have here <laughs> yes but to wrap this up you know when it comes down to movie poster collecting mm-hmm. you know some people do it to make money yes. others do it for the love and passion of it and doing it for the love and passion and because you like the art and because you like the movie, that's the way to collect movie posters. And it's the same way with comics. You know, you don't go out seeking things to make money because at the end of the day, you're probably not. So yeah. if, you, if you like something, get it. If you don't, don't. No, absolutely. So should we move on to our anchor segments? All right. For anchor segment this week. We thought we'd talk a little bit about the DC and Marvel specials that were recently aired on ABC and the CW, respectively. So we'll start off at DC. So, Tim, did you watch the DC special? I did. The Dawn of the Justice League? I think the Dawn of the Justice League, or the DC special with Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns, I think it did a really good job you know, introducing people to some of the DC characters that not a lot of people know. You know, me, myself, I read DC all the time, so... It's kind of biased, but Tim, did you think you learned anything about, say, The Flash or Aquaman or any of those characters that were on the show? Yeah, definitely, and particularly when it comes to their cinematic portrayal and seeing some of the concept art that we're getting 
and getting some insight from a great writer like Jeff John and a, and a super fanboy like Kevin Smith. Oh, you could tell he's having fun. Oh, yeah. This guy was just loving it. It was. I felt like he was just like kind of sitting there being like, okay, I got to ask this guy every <laughs> single question I can. I got to get all the information out. You know, oh, He's yeah. not coming at this from an interviewer or a professional. He's coming oh, no. at this for, as a fanboy, right? Oh, yeah. Were you surprised at how much they showed? I mean, they showed quite a bit. They showed the Justice League together. They teased the Green Lantern Corps movie. They showed us art of Jason Momoa as Aquaman and um, Ezra Miller as The Flash. Well, I'm not really going to say that DC has a tendency to show a lot. <laughs> but they're maybe the Janet Jackson. <laughs> they have a little bit of a reputation of kind of thing, throwing things out on the table and just yeah. saying, here, check this out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was I shocked a little bit that they're showing... For the first time, some of these guys, particularly when we have scenes of them, particularly maybe like Aquaman and that, they're just showing concept art. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have a picture of him and seeing the Flash and Cyborg for the first time in concept art. Now, that's something that we do regularly see, especially for comic book movies. Yeah. But being that they have actual filmed footage of these guys, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. That maybe it would have been cool to just line them up, just kind of boom, boom, boom on the screen and just say, here's your Justice League. Because that's essentially what they've laid out, right? Yeah. They've laid out, here's the Justice League. We're officially confirming that these are the guys. And then they're saying, well, maybe the Green Lantern Corps are going to meet up with the Justice League too. (laughs) Yeah. No, absolutely. It seems like the Green Lantern Corps are kind of playing the role of the X-Men in this whole DC Cinematic Universe where they're kind of, they're separate. So they're not really interacting. That's the kind of vibe that I got. Whereas they'll be separate and they might, you know, get to play with the other Justice League figures or Justice League toys. But I think they're kind of going to be kept separate. I think it's going to be their own special thing. You know, they're out in space. They're doing their own thing. I don't think there's going to be much connectivity with Green Lantern. Hmm, it sounds very familiar. It sounds, <laughs> sounds very Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, was that a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy was the best Green Lantern movie of all time. Well, it seems, seems like they're going down a similar path here is that they have kind of this you know, police corps or whatever you want to call them out in space. They're going to live, they're going to have their own adventures mm-hmm. out there. But when time comes for, say, the arrival of... Darkseid. Darkseid, thank you. Uh, <laughs> DC Thanos. Yeah, we're going to have the Green Lantern Corp joining the fight on Earth or wherever that battle takes them. Oh, and yeah. it seems like we're going to have this culmination probably in Justice League Part 2. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm super stoked for it. But the one thing I'm actually really, really stoked for, the Wonder Woman movie. Man, that footage looked awesome. She looks badass. Yeah. I'm really surprised, though, that they didn't take this opportunity to drop a teaser trailer. Uh, I think it's a little bit too early, though. Yeah, but now they've gone and showed footage. Mm-hmm. They've shown footage of her fighting. They've shown footage of her kind of in World War One, yeah. in kind of civvy uniform. They've got, was what's his, was Chris Pine's character in it? I don't think so. Uh, he uh, just spoke. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they showed his character. But why not show a trailer? Yeah. You know, even if it's just, you know, 30, 40 seconds long. Yeah. And you could have, you know, smashed those scenes together, thrown some music to us, give us kind of this vibe, this kind of quick look. But now we've got kind of long, longer scenes of her riding a horse. Mm-hmm. You kind of really don't get where the character is coming from. You know, yeah. they're telling us that it's in World War One, And, you know, that's fine. I, th- I would have liked maybe more of a, a structured trailer as opposed to some random scenes, kind of out-of-context scenes. Yeah, it's true. But I think nowadays, you know, we scrutinize trailers way more than we used to. So even if, even if you look at some of the CGI they showed us, Wonder Woman, the fight scene, you know, it's not quite ready yet. Yeah. So if they, you know, slap dash together some, like, half-assed trailer, 
people would have been all over that. They would have been like, oh my God, Wonder Woman's going to bomb. This movie's going to be terrible. The trailer was horrible. I mean, I think they just started filming two, will, three months ago. I will give it a pass. Maybe they don't have enough scenes yeah. done. But at the same time, then maybe pull back a little more. I, I don't know. I, I just, I have this idea that I don't like seeing out of context scenes. I know that's what a trailer essentially is. There's a whole bunch of out of context scenes <laughs> set to music. Yeah. yeah. But it's structured in a way that gives you kind of an idea of the character, mm -hmm. what they're going to be, kind of the overall arc of the character. I think they're maybe going to wait till after Batman v Superman and we see a little bit more of Wonder Woman in that movie. And then that way the trailer would kind of, you know, make a little bit more sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's very true. But what this is doing is it's taking Wonder Woman and pulling her back and doing her origins, right? Yeah. So we're building towards Batman vs. Superman from a Wonder Woman origin movie, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a weird timeline with that. You yeah, because they're stepping all the way back to World War One. This has got like a real cat vibe, sort of, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, but you can't, you know... I don't I... like to compare it directly to, <laughs> to Marvel, but that's kind of all we got as far as building a cinematic oh, yeah. universe. To kind of they, we have this kind of construct that we're kind of kind of looking at and kind of trying to build pieces into and so i don't mean to always compare what oh, they're no. doing but it's it's similar in a sense that they're they're constructing a universe from mm -hmm. a series of characters that eventually meet up and fight some big oh bad, yeah right? it's, it's a natural competitor you know i mean it makes sense to compare the two when you have dc and marvel there's so much crossover and connectivity it makes sense to have the comparisons i'm, I'm glad though they chose world war one you know it's kind of the lesser known world war you know, there's so many movies where we have World War II stuff. And World War II stuff, you know, we know so much about that time period. But I don't know a lot about World War One, And it's a very unique time period because, you know, you see Wonder Woman on horseback. And, you know, horses were still used in the war back then. Whereas World War II, they were being phased out for tanks and airplanes. So, you know, it shows a little bit more of that old technology, which Wonder Woman has the sword she has the shield, so it makes a little bit more sense that she would be there in World War One, as opposed to World War Two. Yeah, and it's it's a it's an era that hasn't been visited by comic book movies yet. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop this, how they bring in. You know, like you're saying, you know, we're fighting a very different kind of war that that was fought in World War Two, right? Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of weave her story through there. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't even know if the whole movie's going to take place in World War One, or if it'll be from World War One until today. I'm curious to see where they go with it. I'm super pumped for it. I'm I'm buying this movie big time. I think it's going to be a big hit. I'm predicting Hunger Games numbers. Think about all the female, you know, fictional characters and fictional heroes. You got to say Wonder Woman has got to be like top five. She's been around for what, 75 years almost? Yeah, forever. There's very few fictional female heroes that I could think that would be ahead of her in terms of popularity. No, she's really going to set the tone for what a female-led superhero movie is going to be, I think. You mean it's not going to be Catwoman with Halle Berry? <laughs> <laughs> Let's forget about that. Electra? <laughs> Supergirl? <laughs> you know, part of people, people always go like, oh, you know, no female superhero movie has done gangbusters at the box office. It's because they were all terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like saying like, oh, no Fantastic Four movies done gangbusters. Again, they were all terrible. <laughs> so, no, I'm excited. You know, and... Looking at kind of what they laid down on of of this DC special, I think it's really cool, you know, that Justice League really was what spawned the start of these big superhero team-ups. Because yeah. we had the the Justice League first appearing in, what, 1960? Mm -hmm. And then two years later, we had Fantastic Four. And then a year after that, we had Avengers. Yep. And it's really cool to see that the whole industry has come full circle now because we had Marvel laying the groundwork for Cinematic Universe, and now DC 
is right yeah. there now, you know, ready to, to throw down their slate of movies oh, yeah. and throw their top superheroes and kind of lay down the gauntlet. And now we have this big competitive kind of machine rolling forward. And it's great. It's the same way it happened in the comics, you know, oh, yeah. whatever it was 50, 60 years ago. Competition makes everything better. You know, I truly believe that in everything. So, you know, you think when they were buddy-buddy in the 90s, some of the worst comics we ever got. But when they're fiercely competitive with each other, it makes the other, you know, it makes the other company want to do better. And so I'm excited to see a healthy DC cinematic universe. But they got to be careful because the comparisons to the Avengers is always going to be there because they did it first. So they're going to have to tread lightly and make theirs different enough so that way we don't always say, well, Avengers was better. Because, let's face it, The Avengers was an awesome movie. Let's face it, Avengers is better. Whoa. <laughs> let's not say things we can't take back here, okay? <laughs> I'll stand by that until proven wrong. All right, all right. Well, you know, in The Avengers vs. Justice League, <laughs> where they have a competition... The Justice League actually wins, my friend. I don't I don't know why Marvel agreed to have that happen. <laughs> Although Cap does help them win, so I mean a kind of they don't actually win, but they win. It sounds very like <laughs> comic book logic there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let us know what you guys think. Tweet us who do you like better? JLA or Avengers? You know, the one thing DC has to do to make sure that, you know, we don't always get these comparisons is they gotta you know, DC movies have kind of always taken on a more serious tone. And I think they should embrace that. You know, you look at Man of Steel, Batman and Superman look very serious. They have that dramatic element to it. Not to say that, you know, the Avengers movies weren't serious, but they had a little bit more comedy than I think that the Justice League is going to use. And I think that might separate it from the Avengers just a little bit. Not to mention the heroes are different. You know, Marvel, I've always felt their heroes are more relatable. You know, people always say that. You know, Spider-Man's more relatable than Superman. Who can relate to Bruce Wayne? He's a billionaire. I can relate much more to Iron Man. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The mild-mannered billionaire that is Iron Man. (laughs) But I always felt that the DC heroes were more inspirational. And I mean, like, Superman is like... You know, they're like gods amongst men. They're like, you know, Jeff John said, they're like the new Greek mythology. And Wonder Woman actually is a Greek god. She's the god of war in the comics. So, you know, you just, ha- you just have this picture of the Justice League as these, like, towering figures built in, like, ivory stone, like, setting around, like, the Acropolis in Greece. Like, I don't know. This is what I always picture. I always picture, you know, the DC heroes, especially Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, just so heroic they have no flaws, whereas the Marvel heroes have flaws. And I don't want them to see them take heroes like Superman and start to give him flaws. You know, that's not why I got into liking Superman. You know, he's the perfect superhero because he always does the right thing. You know, he's super powerful. And lately, DC has been trying to kind of stifle his power. In the comic books, you know, he's lost his power several times. So I don't know why they did that, but make Superman, you know, make him, he is like the toughest superhero out there. You know, he's the strongest, he's the fastest. Don't hide from it, embrace it. That's what made him great in the first place. Don't all of a sudden make Superman Batman. I'm going to get off my soapbox here, but... uh... It's interesting that you say that though, because I can see, I'm starting to see some some holes into the reason why one of us likes DC and one of us likes Marvel more, because... 
from the Marvel end and from my own perspective, you know, when you're talking about the DC superheroes being kind of godlike and mm-hmm. the, the Marvel guys being, I'm going to say vulnerable or flawed, I kind of like that. I don't want a superhero I want, I want to bow down to. I want someone that I could aspire to be. Right. And that's why I love Captain America. Oh, yeah. And so, and I like the fact that in Marvel, these guys have flaws. These guys aren't mm-hmm. perfect. You know, these guys make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that kind of really develops into kind of an overall arc for these guys is that, yeah, they do make mistakes. And, you know, you look at things, even a guy like Cap, you know, he's righteous and just and all that. But you look at stuff like in Civil War and all that, you know, Maybe he isn't always making the right decision. And I kind of like that. I find them mm-hmm. a lot more relatable in that sense is that, you know, you look at these guys and you're kind of like, well, they are flawed. They aren't gods. And, you know, that that's something that I really do like in the Marvel Universe as far as, you know, the comic book characters. You know, it's interesting that you say that. And it just occurred to me, you know, that explains quite a bit. Because, you know, when you think of Marvel, I've always thought of them as having the better hero roster. Because their stories tend to focus more on the hero. Because, you know, they have flaws. So... How is Spider-Man going to save Gwen Stacy from the Green Goblin while also paying his rent? Whereas DC, person like Superman, he's so godlike where when he when you tell a Superman story, you focus a lot more on the villain like Lex Luthor. So, you know, you can tell that story where it's more superhero versus supervillain. And I think, you know, DC I've always felt has had the stronger villain roster. So I think, you know, it's interesting that, you know, their different takes on it have spun out into different, you know, different products where Marvel focuses more on the hero, whereas DC focuses more on the villains. Yeah. And you see that very profoundly in the movies. Absolutely. Too, right? I mean, the Marvel movies, the one thing, you know, they've done an excellent job, but the one thing people have always said is outside of Loki, they haven't had that, you know, excellent villain. Yeah, there's, you know, I... I always I like I loved Ultron and, mm-hmm. and I think Thanos is gonna be great. But yeah, yeah. You, you, they are the weaker link in the overall storytelling mm-hmm. of Marvel. I'd, I'd agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but interesting. You know, we we're gonna step from gods. Yes. Down to the squad. <laughs> <laughs> Far from gods as you can get. The Suicide Squad. Man, that trailer. I've been singing Queen ever since. Like I'll be driving and I'll be like let him go we will not let him go let him go we will not let him go let him go just excellent choice like i think star trek should take notes on how to make a kick-ass trailer with awesome music because that was how it should have been done you just go open up james gunn's book of how to make a trailer, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know people are comparing this to guardians and rightfully so and i think you know kevin smith called this dc's guardians did he yeah he said okay. this is going to be dc's guardians of the galaxy which is interesting because you know Three years ago, we would have been like, who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, like that one uh, guy says, who? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this trailer was fantastic. Another mm-hmm. great entry into the Suicide Squad repertoire of, of developing and putting out their characters mm-hmm. for everyone to kind of get used to. And my favorite character in that trailer was Captain Boomerang. Oh, wasn't he hilarious? Yeah, I mean, Jack- best in the whole, in the yeah. whole trailer. And Jack Courtney's not that great of an actor, but man, Captain Boomerang, maybe just because it's Australia Day, but he was excellent. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> you know, I think they're just really letting him just shine, letting him use his proper accent and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the scenery's cracking the beer, <laughs> and he gets a cut of the bag, and he's up punching people. And, oh, oh yeah. it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, and Harley Quinn was excellent. You know, 
the that's the best portrayal of Harley Quinn I've seen since the uh, animated series. Like she just Margot Robbie nails the character. I think she's gonna do a fantastic job. And I, you know what? I'm gonna predict it. We're gonna get a Harley and Joker standalone film. Yeah, if if, if they're very well received, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll see something like that. One thing Suicide Squad's known for is killing their characters. You know, not everyone survives a mission in the comic books. At least one character dies pretty much in each storyline. Any predictions on who's going to die in the Suicide Squad movie? Uh, El Diablo? Yeah. Is he the tattooed guy? Yep. Who uh, plays with fire? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm going to say he's going to bite it. Okay. I'm going to say, what's Slipknot or something oh, okay. like that? Yep, yep. i say he's going to bite it. Well, when you're going to fight like guys with guns and your only power is knots, <laughs> he's like an over, overrated Boy Scout. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think they'll do at least two deaths. One really early on yep. to kind of give the audience the idea of the concept of the Suicide Squad, put some stakes at it. Yep. Um, and then they're going to, someone else that may be someone that's kind of a bit favored. Because mm-hmm. they got to do something a bit shocking, right? You know, yeah. this is the Suicide Squad. But they're not going to kill Will Smith. No. They're probably not going to kill Jack Courtney. They're not going to no. kill Harley or Joker or anything no. like that. So look for the periphery characters. I'm even curious if they're going to go after Killer Croc. Yeah. Um, but he's such a cool looking character that yeah. maybe not. I don't know. You know, when we first saw the first pictures of Killer Croc, I was like, eh, I'll pass. But then now with like the CGI yeah, added the tweaking, stuff, yeah. it looks excellent. Yeah, it's looking good. So the interesting thing about this, the trailer, I think, makes it clear that the Joker isn't the main villain that's right that's right um and interestingly enough kevin smith asked jeff john at one point you know who are the other members of the suicide squad and jeff mm-hmm. john rattles off a few other members right some of yep. the kind of b or c list members and then he says the joker wow and taken out of context maybe a bit i don't know if there's some weird cut or whatever it made it sound like the joker was part of the suicide squad he then kind of backtracks mm-hmm. and retreads his answer and says you know he's not quite part of the suicide squad but it didn't make it look like he was the villain no. in the trailer no it looked like he was someone that's in there maybe you know kind of poking the bear a bit or yep. if they're running around after him trying to find him but who are the villains <laughs> i i have the, an idea i don't know their names or anything like that but yeah. i i kind of went through the trailer and kind of stopped it a whole bunch of times and there's these weird looking, I want to say, alien type mm-hmm. dudes covered in black tar, and there's some weird tentacle things going on in that scene in the with the subway. Do you have any idea, any insight? Uh, I have one idea. So, you know, this is I've read the story a little bit a while ago, but in Justice League Dark, one of the characters which is in Suicide Squad is named Enchantress, and she's a witch. And in that story, I forget what happens, but um, Enchantress gets a whole bunch of duplicates or a whole bunch of um, clones. And then those clones kind of run rampant and cause chaos. And so it's up to the Justice League Dark to rein in all those clones. So I'm thinking Enchantress might actually turn out to be the villain in this. Interesting. She's, She's a witch, so she can projectile, you know, whatever she wants. So I'm going to say her. Other than that... It might just be something as simple as a terrorist organization or something like that. But, yeah, it's, but there's a few scenes on the street and mm-hmm. in that subway and that 
it makes it look almost alien or yeah i don't know like a swamp thing sort of i don't oh, really uh, know oh, if it was swamp thing i would lose my mind <laughs> i would just walk up to dc well i wouldn't walk i'd fly up to dc headquarters throw my wallet at him and then drive back so i lost <laughs> all my money but that would be amazing awesome and there's that one scene with joker kind of lying in the yes. middle of the knives and he's got you know his you know his laugh what do you think of his laugh Oh, it's the best laugh since Ledger's. Yeah, it's the only laugh since Ledger's. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. So, yes, maybe Mark Hamill would have done one in there. Uh, you know, it's funny. You're gonna hate me for this, but I always picture Mark Hamill as the Joker. So <laughs> that's fine, man. <laughs> every time I watch like Star Wars, you know, it doesn't sound the same, but you kind of every once in a while you'll be like, "Oh, that's the Joker." You'd be like, "Oh no, I guess 99.9 percent .9 of the world would be like, that's Luke Skywalker." <laughs> <laughs> and now you're one of those people. What's your uh, third favorite Mark Hamill performance? He does a lot of good voice acting. <laughs> he does. I would say The Simpsons, the episode where he goes and Homer's the bodyguard for him. Yeah, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, he's done lots of voice acting and stuff like that. And he's, I think he's now in the Flash series. That's right. Yeah, and he's done well. He's most well known, and the reason I love him is is Star Wars, and that's always going to be the reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think he was also in Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back. He plays a bad guy in that. Yeah, that's a parody though yeah. on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the other big DC news we got. Now, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but there are rumors of another reboot. DC might reboot already. Only five years since the New 52. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, because it doesn't make sense. They have a lot of new stories and a lot of, you know, miniseries that they have just started putting out. So to reboot, doesn't make a lot of sense. They they do say, you know, they want to make it more like the movies, which is natural. I mean, look at Marvel. Guardians was a hit. Yeah. So, so Guardians is everywhere now, whereas Fantastic Four, they're smaller than Ant-Man. You know, um, what is your take on this? I mean, just getting into this first thought when you hear DC reboot. The first thing I think is there's absolutely no way they're rebooting. No. I do not think this is a reboot. No. We all thought this was Secret Wars 2, right? Yeah. And it wasn't a reboot. It's too soon after the 52 to go back and revisit everyone's origins. Even yeah. if you can just slowly, and they've done this at Marvel, you can just slowly tweak the characters you week by week by week mm -hmm. until they look like the people from the movie. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's even more drastic than that. They snap their fingers in the new Guardians book. Everyone <laughs> looked like the one from the movies, right? <laughs> and and that's fine. Like the, the character, Star-Lord, particularly in the original Bendis run that was a couple years ago, the kind of the, the reboot after the 2008 Star-Lord had this costume that I threw, and then the movie came out, and boom, he had his movie costume. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's, I understand why they do it, mm -hmm. and as, you know, a comic book fan, sometimes it might upset you that all of a sudden you're getting kind of this, the movie likeness of these characters, and they're kind of straying away from kind of the, the old traditional comic look of them, but it's all just an evolution piece, right? Yeah. And you have to remember these people are business people, and they're trying to draw people in, and how do you do that? By, by you know having characters that look familiar so someone goes into a comic book shop and says yeah. oh my god there's a star lord book or yeah. oh my god there's an iron man book and mm -hmm. he looks exactly like the iron man from from the movies yeah. that's what you have to do and this is kind of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago was you know do you think that they're going to start changing you know aquaman from a blonde guy to yeah. a, a, a brunette guy yeah. and probably you yeah. know they're going to find some kind of weird contrived way mm -hmm. to to push these characters to look more like their the likeness in the movies and that's okay yeah, you know, and purists may hate me for saying that, <laughs> but 
you know, that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's so true. And you know what? Characters evolve. Look at Iron Man's first costume. You know, look at Batman. When he first started out, he carried a gun and he would kill his villains. So, you know, characters evolve over time. And it's only natural that the most popular means of us getting comic book stuff is nowadays the movies. They've surpassed the comic books, whereas in the past, the comic books would feed into the movies. And I think now it's, it's comic books still feed into the movies, but now you're seeing a lot more movies feeding back into the comic books. Well, it's exactly that, too. It's, you know, the reason we've got six or seven Guardians books is because the movie did well, yep. right? And the reason that we've got all this content coming from everywhere, and the reason we have all these legends and movie posters and all this kind of stuff that we collect is because of the movies. Yep. So in a way, you know, the, the movies are driving the industry. Mm-hmm. And from that, then we get the best writers, we, yep. you know, the best stories in the comic world. And we can kind of develop this way beyond anything that we probably could have in the absence of a cinematic universe. So, you know, I'm all for it. No, I completely agree. And part of the reason why, you know, DC is talking about this reboot is because they're number two right now. And they're not just number two where they're within striking distance. They're far number two to Marvel. And, you know, Star Wars does contribute a little bit. I did some numbers. Star Wars has 7% of all comic book sales. And they're only about, what, six titles? Seven titles? Ongoing, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So it's crazy that they're 7% for only seven titles. That's just how popular they are. But I think Marvel's something like 10% above DC at this point. Like, they're almost half is Marvel and Star Wars. So DC's going to have to compete with that. Because DC's in the business to sell comics. That's what they're there for. They may tell great stories, but that helps them sell comics. And one thing Marvel does a fair bit more often than DC is they renumber. So if you look at the top 10 comic book sales in December of 2015, five of them were number one issues. And then I think there's three Star Wars in there. And like as far as they went, they were like number 14. Mm-hmm. Number ones sell way more than any other issue. And... You know, if we continue, I know like the collectors always want the number one issue. You know, it looks good. We talked about it earlier. Number one's, you know, it's a nice start. But if you buy a number one, this is what always happens. People buy number one and it gets boosted up because there's a whole bunch of people who are trying to make money off it because they think it's going to be worth something because it's number one. Yeah. Then number two comes out and it sells 15000 less. Then number three comes out and it sells even less. And then number four comes out and it sells even less. That, uh apathy of the books you know the business people of the comic books aren't stupid they look at that and they see hmm if i go back and put number one on this comic book it's going to sell twice as much so why wouldn't they do that yeah you know it's a just literally a marketing gimmick yeah that's all it is and so you know dc might renumber this rebirth that uh i can't remember who tweeted it out but someone in dc tweeted out rebirth you know it might be just a renumbering or I'm thinking it's going to be its own line, kind of like the Marvel Ultimates universe. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think they're going to have the 52, and I think they're going to have like this new movie line, and I think they're going to have a third line where they go back and give us classic DC. Because they've got to try stuff. They've got to try new stuff. They're, they're not failing, but they're losing. So, you know, it's kind of like in hockey when you're losing, you pull the goalie. you got to try something. What, what do you think, Tim? I mean... Are you going to read any? Because, I mean, say they say they reboot. Say they fresh reboot. They kick everything away. Are you going to buy Batman number one? Nah, you know, I might try it out, but I'm not going to support a full-on reboot again. Mm-hmm. 
And this idea that you're kind of throwing around that, you know, maybe there's three different universes. That's a lot of books. Yeah. And the problem with a lot of books is you stretch out your customers. Yeah. And, you know, realistically, that's what happened a little bit with Ultimates, right? Mm -hmm. Is I was reading Ultimate and uh, the Marvel 616 continuity, and it really stretched me out. And I ended up giving up the Ultimates because it was just too much. It's two different continuities you're trying to keep track of, you know, sometimes they're crossed over and all this. And now that we've kind of had amalgamation of all the universes into one, Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice because I can read Miles Morales in normal continuity, you know, in an Avengers book now. And I don't like the idea of this this constant... I don't care about the renumbering. Yeah. You know, that's fine. I understand why they do it, and that's yeah. great. The, the numbers prove why they do that. Yeah. But going back and retelling again Batman's yeah. origins, Superman's origins, the Justice League origins, yeah. well, I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> I think they're a lot smarter than that. Yeah. They have people that have been doing this for decades. Mm-hmm. They can tell you the same thing. It's just going to come down to, you know, people come into the comic book store and they say... Hmm, I've never been, I've never read comics. I see a Marvel number two and I see a DC number 53 or whatever they're at. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, whoa, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not, not even going to touch that. Mm-hmm. But this one, yeah, I can get into Rocket Raccoon because it's only three issues in. That's right. Or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you go into a store and says, you know, most people know who Batman is. And they're going, oh, Batman number one. Yeah, I mean, I'll grab it, whatever. I'll see yeah. if I like it. And great jumping on point. It may be just. You might still have that continuity before it, yep. but you don't have that perception going in that, oh, I'm not going to understand any of this and that. Mm-hmm. And so I think the rebirth is either a renumbering or some sort of event or something like that. I don't yeah. think it's a whole company-wide reboot again. They'd no. be just stupid to do that. No, I hope you're right. Um, but, you know, I feel like, you know, you mentioned, you know, so someone goes into the comic shop and then they'll more likely to pick up a number three as opposed to like a number 53. Are readers to blame for some of the recent trends in comic books that a lot of people, frankly, are upset about in terms of constant rebooting or constant renumbering or constant events? Those books are the ones that sell way more than, say, issue 50. You know, is it our fault? Are we, you know, should we vote with our dollars and say, no, I'm not going to support another renumbering, so I'm not going to buy issue one. Maybe, but mm-hmm. are you actually going to No, do I'm not going to do it. No, but like at the same time, I don't... It's Yes, it is our fault technically because mm-hmm. we go in and buy, but nothing's going to change that. And it's, the, you know, industry at the bottom line, you know, yes, they want to tell the best stories. Yes, they want to have the best writers. Yes, they want to have the best artists. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is they have to make money. Yeah. And if making money means number one issues and events, that's what they're going to do. If we can demonstrate to to the, the publishers and that, that yes, we love number 50. Yes, we love 100s. Mm-hmm. We can do that. But, you know, at the times we're going through Avengers and that, when we're up into the two, three hundreds, these books weren't as popular yeah. as they are today. And we also weren't getting the best stories in them. Yeah. And I feel we're getting a lot of concentration of good talent, good artists, good writers into, you know, a, a smaller line of books. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, that concentration is producing great stories right now yeah. across the comic industry. Yeah. And... If you need to renumber to bring more people in, you know, to feed the fuel, to feed and pay and get the best people, then that's what we have to do. And we just kind of have to, you know, suck it up and say, this is the same continuity. Marvel does this all the time. Even with Secret Wars coming at the other end, Mm -hmm. to understand a lot of it, you had to have read 
the the continuity from before Secret Wars yep. to get what's going on here. It wasn't like a a big slate wiping kind of event. It was something happened, and the continuity is is still right through there. But we have a whole bunch of new number ones, almost new number ones, everything. Yeah, you know what? What's the end game? Are we going to get to the point where it's every year there's only twelve issues, and then it reboots to number one every year? So twenty sixteen number one. It's quite you know, possible. You know. Yeah. It's in going down that route, you know, you probably start to tick a lot of people off. I would love to see, you know, if we get to a modern day mm-hmm. issue 100, yeah. like how awesome would that be, <laughs> you know? DC's working on it. You know, we were talking about, you know, saying number, I think they're at 48 right now. And some of the top 10 books, Batman number 48 and Justice League number 48 actually made the top 10. So it's good to see people are still supporting those titles. If the books are good, people will still read it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that DC's at 48, because Avengers Hickman's run after two years was 44 at end Wow. <laughs> it's been five years. Yeah. So, like, Marvel are relentless at pumping out. Yeah. Some of these, you know, early on in some of these runs, we're getting every three weeks mm-hmm. a, a new book in an ongoing series. And, you know, maybe picking up the pace of it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I you know, I think we'll get to 50 this rebirth might happen, boom, back to number one. Yeah, well, you know, because it is New 52 in June when the supposed reboot's supposed to occur, that's going to be the 53rd issue. So uh, it'll be okay. 52 issues and then possibly a re- reboot. I like that. I yeah. that, I did not know that. Yeah. I think that's that that sounds to me like very sound logic. Yeah. Like we've gotten a 52, <laughs> boom, back to one. Yeah. All the stories are the same. Characters are the same. We're just continuing continuity. This is purely a marketing gimmick. Yeah. You know, I want some cool event. It's been a while since DC's had a good event. I think the last good one was Forever Evil. You know, I get I get event envy. I mean, Secret Wars was amazing. So as a DC fan, I'm kind of like, you know, we got Convergence. It was kind of the same concept, poorly executed. I want some of that Secret Wars stuff. Come on, DC. Like, give us a good event. They created the event with Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, you know, events, in my opinion, should mean something. The original Crisis on Infinite Earths, Flash and Supergirl died in that. Han spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but they stayed dead for over 20 years. Nowadays, comic book characters die and they're, what, back in a week or back in a month? Like, no, if a character dies in an event, he or she should stay dead technically forever, but I don't, you know, I get that's not going to happen. So, you know, events used to mean something. And I think DC has to go back to that. That's one thing they got to do to get back into the number one spot. You know, I know you read exclusively Marvel, but, you know, the industry is unique. And if DC were to go away tomorrow, every comic book shop would close up because there's no way it would be able to support it. So they kind of need each other. You know, there's that, the yin and the yang, the duopoly between the two. You know, if one of them goes, I think the industry collapses. Or one takes a, such a large monopoly and then we end up getting just brutal stories. Yeah. I mean, when there's no incentive to produce or give new material, you'll just do the same old, same old, and it'll get kind of tiring. Exactly. So I agree. You know, we need both both for this industry to succeed and keep pushing on. You know, so we talked a little bit about DC, you know, how they can try to get a little bit of that Marvel pie. But if you're Marvel, what do you do to keep that uh, sweet, sweet pie to yourself, Tim? It's one of those things that if they continue to do what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, they leverage off of their success in the cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. If we're excluding the Star Wars from from this discussion, because you know Star Wars is something that they can leverage, they can push on, and it's always going to be successful. Um, they've got fantastic writers on that right now, and I'm in no have no worry 
that that line is in any sort of peril or whatever that and that's going to go for a long time but when we look at the the marvel kind of the the comic universe kind of the formula or the prime universe as it's called now or prime earth you know i think if they continue what they're doing mm-hmm. you know it's i'm loving the stories if they focus on characters that are making their cinematic appearances but not completely kind of just divulging down to a base character that we see in the cinematic universe take the continuity that's that those characters have built and produce fantastic arts you know i'm really looking forward to a black panther book coming mm-hmm. out here and something that was announced in the marvel 75 or the cap 75 tv special was the return of steve rogers to the captain america role yes yes and that's something i'm immensely excited about and you know he in uh, in the remainder run he essentially got his powers drained from him and he was kind of this old man steve rogers he kind of relinquished the shield to to falcon kind of falcon stepped up and took that role and they announced in that that yes we're going to get a steve rogers captain america rejuvenated to his back self the first issue we're going to get is on free comic book day nice. and that also kind of ties i guess into the dead no more and then the the first event avenger standoff that we're going to get for this year and you know, it's it's kind of keeping people on their toes, people excited. And I know they use this thing where they bait us with a death, and or they yeah. or they kind of bait us with someone's going to die, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the comic world. We've only had a couple resurrections that really worked. Yep. But at the same time, there are a couple of works, so you know it can work again. Yep. Some of these people have to stay dead. I'm I'm having a great time with the post secret war stuff. I've just got into the Sam Wilson. Uh, the Sam Wilson cap run, the Guardians runs great, the New Avengers runs great. So it's one of these things I talk about constantly about tightening on my my pull list, but <laughs> I can't because I'm really enjoying things going forward. And so yeah. if they you know keep the good writers, and I like I said before, you know a lot of people don't like big events. I love big events, so keep mm-hmm. giving me those big events. Yep, and just keep pushing forward. And I know you're going to tie to the the cinematic universe, and that as far as leveraging off of characters in that. And if you're going to do that, just do it right. That's all. That's all, that's how I think Marvel can continue to succeed. No, that's smart. You know, I'm a huge Cat fan. He's actually my favorite Marvel character as well. So I think I might actually pick that up. You know, I'm going to try to read at least one Marvel book. I was reading the Avengers, but there were so many crossovers. And, you know, I kind of just lost touch. But it's, I th- hard to, it's hard to read sometimes. Yeah, so I think I am going to stick with Cap. You know, the one thing that's funny about Cap is you don't really realize, but he's like your grandparents' age. So it'd be really funny to have, like, a Cap issue where he's just trying to, like, navigate modern life. Like, he's trying to work the DVR or, like, his iPhone won't work. just falling asleep. Yeah. (laughs) Like, really, the guy's, like, 90 years old. Like, he should be having, like, dinner at, like, 3 (laughs) 3 (laughs) p.m. Like, he should get, like, the senior discount at Denny's, right? Like, he is over 65. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> they should like make like a comedy. I'm of sure Cap. they've made. I know they've made a few jokes and stuff like yeah, that yeah. in the in the Marvel movies about his age. <laughs> I think it'd be hilarious. I think they need to do that. Like him putting his like shoes in like the waffle iron or something. I, I, I mean, I guess they had sh- waffle senile. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is. We don't know. He puts on a brave face. <laughs> He's not the man I trust with the national security. If he was put his shoe in waffle irons. <laughs> Maybe he's so out of touch with, like, modern day that that's, that's what would happen, you know? I don't know. He's smart, though. It's part of the super soldier serum. <laughs> Did it increase his uh, brain capacity? I think his intelligence, yeah. You oh, see that. Yeah. I think you see that develop. In the, there's some scenes in the Winter Soldier and that where you mm-hmm. kind of see that he's a lot, quite a bit smarter. I don't know if he was smarter before. <laughs> or, 
I'm making lots of leaps here because he's my favorite. <laughs> he's the best because he's the best. He's he's the best. He's my, he's favorite. my favorite. Captain America could beat your Captain America any day. <laughs> um, you know, one thing we were talking about is we'd like to do an issue or an episode where we go back and re-review each Captain America solo movie from, you know, starting from the 79, I think it was. Yeah. All the way up until Winter Soldier. You know, they kind of touched on it a little bit on the Cap 75th anniversary special, but how bad did that footage look from that movie? Ooh, that is right. Like, I don't know if we'll be able to sit through those. You know, yeah. I'm all for, you know, taking in as much history <laughs> and all that when it comes to comic book movies and comic books, but, oh, I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen the 90s one a yeah. long, long time ago, and... Ooh-wee. Man, I do not know if we can sit through that whole thing. It might have to be one of those things that we just sit through an old trailer or something like ah. Yeah. Does it put it in perspective that Captain America movie and Captain America 2 Death Too Soon came out two years after Superman the movie? So that puts it in perspective how excellent that movie is in terms of, you know, it still stands up today, whereas a movie like Captain America 2 Death Too Soon does not. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, let's take this from DC's big screen yes. to the small screen. Yes. So we had, along with DC's, you know, Dawn of the Justice League special, mm-hmm. we had DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Their Time Is Now uh, mini episode, mm-hmm. which essentially explained and introduced you to all the characters. And I sat down and watched that. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite interested in the concept of Legends of Tomorrow. You're taking a team and kind of taking them and running through time you know i think it's it's kind of got this kind of back to the future-esque as far as you know visiting different timelines or different timelines and places in time yeah um as well as you know that allows you to have have little period pieces which i really like the concept of as well as it looks like it's going to have kind of these very back to the future-esque sort of consequences of of you know tweaking the timeline and essentially things fading and things disappearing as far as you know the the individual characters and what they're actually going to do as they kind of make mistakes as they're running through time mm-hmm. so i'm kind of excited about it and i actually did sit and watch the pilot and what'd you think well it's i guess it's this sci-fi time travel sort of fantasy sort of movie movie tv, <laughs> show, TV show and i guess it sits in this Arrowverse or whatever it is yeah I don't watch The Flash or Arrow. I've seen nope. a couple episodes of each. Mm-hmm. But I guess all these characters are drawn from various parts of Flash and Arrow. Some villains and some other heroes in that. Right. And it was... I like the, the episode where they introduced kind of all the characters. I really like there's um, the Prison Break Brothers. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. Uh, Captain Colton Heatwave, I think. Yeah. The yeah. Names. I think that's right. Yeah. And they're really cool. And they're kind of just these maniacs that run through time and are, mm-hmm. are trying to steal stuff and all that. And... The villain, I guess, is Vandal Savage. Yeah, familiar. He's, I guess, he's this immortal trying to, and he eventually conquers Earth. Yeah. So Vandal Savage, you know, with his backstory, is he was a caveman, but way back in the day. And then there was this comet that came and crashed into Earth, and it had some sort of alien goo, as comic books always do, <laughs> that bestowed upon him the power of immortality. So every time he dies, he gets reborn. So, you know, he's been through everything. You know, he's been through the French Revolution. You know, we're talking about Captain America being old and senile. This guy's literally thousands of years old. And um, so he's pretty much like, how do you kill him, right? He's immortal. In the comics, I think what they do is they shoot him into space, but they don't give him any oxygen. So he's in this um, cement casket. And so he's constantly dying and being reborn. Like, it sounds horrible. I mean, it's a horrible way to <laughs> tell someone to spend eternity 
But I mean, when he's been a douche his entire life, I mean, that's the only option you have. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's horrible, but I don't know if they're going to go that way in the Legends of Tomorrow show. I doubt it because that seems pretty extreme for a TV show. I don't know. I think he's a really cool villain. He, I mean, he's got elements of apocalypse because he's been there for a long time. He's got the immortality. He's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're if they're going to use him as a constant antagonist all the way through, or mm-hmm. if they're going to find themselves in kind of you know little misadventures as they kind of stumble through time trying to figure out where Vandal Savage is. And you know, it looks like they threw a ton of money at this, at least the pilot episode. Oh yeah, um, which I'm a firm believer in doing because mm-hmm. like a trailer in that, I figure you know you've got half an hour or an hour to hook me into this. Yep. And, you know, to do that, you see this in a lot of pilots where they essentially throw a ton of money at that. And then they kind of pull you in, they get you attached to the characters, and then you're able to kind of follow these guys through. So this is something I'm actually going to gonna watch, you know, in the next couple episodes and see if I uh, get into it. There's a really cool twist in it, though. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say spoilers. Are you okay? I know oh, you haven't yeah. watched the whole thing right through. No, I, I haven't watched the whole thing, but you know what? Spoil it. Han spoilers. Okay. So I was curious when I went in, I was like... You know, this seems really weird. Like, why wouldn't they grab Flash or Arrow? Right. Or, you know, some of the, the other more powerful big games. Like, yeah. So, and I don't know if Batman or Superman in that exists in this universe. Mm-hmm. And there's a point at which the leader, Rip Hunter, he says to them, you know, I came back and grabbed you because I went through kind of, I guess he's a time master or whatever. Okay. He says, you know, eventually in the timeline, you have little to no impact on the overall progression of time. So essentially, mm. if one of them were to get killed, it wouldn't have a huge impact on the time stream. And so that's why he grabbed them. So it does a really nice job of explaining why they didn't go and grab yeah. Arrow, Flash, or Batman, or Superman if they exist in this world. And I thought that was a really cool touch because at first I was like, this is kind of weird. This seems very <laughs> contrived to mm-hmm. just get characters that are familiar, get them in this kind of ensemble cast, yeah. and kind of throw a bunch of money and get some you know, good graphics and you know, somewhat of a story through there. But they've kind of acknowledged why they've got this team, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it's a time-traveling Suicide Squad for TV. Yeah. <laughs> the, the low-budget Suicide Squad. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I think it's going to be good, though. Yeah. It's, I think if I had appreciation for the whole Arrowverse, yeah. I'd be a bit more attached to some of these characters. Mm-hmm. And so I think the people, or I'm guessing the people that are, you know, really embedded into that universe, you know, that love Arrow and Flash and that have a lot of stakes here and are quite pleased with what they're doing. And this whole building of a TV universe separate from the cinematic universe is really cool because, you know, I know and I know we've touched on this before, but the idea that they're able to kind of pull these bigger characters, well, not so much bigger characters, but, you know, they're able to pull Flash in and mm-hmm. Arrow and stuff like that. And, you know, it'd be great one day if they made some reference to, I'm, I'm sure they have maybe to a Bruce Wayne or something like that. Yeah. But they've constructed this really cool universe. And it's something that was asked, I think, and then Kevin Smith reported. That's right, yeah. That, you know, he asked, is there a potential for a multiverse? Because we see for the first time that, you know, and it's it was confirmed before that the Flash is a different Flash. It's mm-hmm. not going to be the guy that plays in the TV show. Right. So, you know, DC, if nothing else, is the yeah. multiverse, right? Right, yeah. And so how cool would it be if, you know, someday way down the road we got this crossover of a TV oh. and the cinematic universe? That'd be so cool. I really hope if they do that, they go all the way. 
So we get Adam West back as Batman. We get, you know, you can't do Christopher Reeves, unfortunately, but you could get other people. You could get maybe Linda Carter back as Wonder Woman or Brandon Ralph as Brandon the Atom Ralph. and yes. Superman. He's like, I was really small and then I became the Superman and the Atom. But I was also in Zack and Miri and that's my <laughs> whole career. <laughs> but I think that's an excellent idea. I mean, that's part of the reason why when everyone was bashing DC for being like, oh, how come they're not connected? That's one of the reasons why I thought that was a good idea. They're not connected. Apart from telling whatever stories they want to tell, not being constricted by continuity, you know, that leaves the door open. I mean, you could have the Marvel TV characters cross over, but they already are crossed over. I mean, I just started watching Daredevil, and they already make reference to the Avengers events in New York. And, you know, they get the event, they get the apartment cheaper because of all the, you know, explosions and whatnot. So, you know, they already do crossover. So we see that on every day-to-day basis. So it won't have the same impact as, say, seeing Stephen Amell show up shooting an arrow in a Justice League 3 movie or something like that. That would be awesome. So, again, staying with the small screen, we also had, you know, in this series of what seemed to be Marvel and DC throwing all of their new TV stuff all at once, we also had the debut of Agent Carter Season 2. And, you know... I'm fully on board with this. The season one aired last year. I got, you know, great critical reception and great Mm -hmm. fan reception. The overall ratings weren't stellar, but at the same time, you know, with that kind of almost cultish fan following behind it, particularly with Haley Atwell as as the the title character, Agent Carter, we got our second season. So the first season, I'm just going to quickly sum it up um, just for you because I know that you haven't got fully into it yet. Not yet, but I do plan on, you know, if they release it on DVD, I don't know if they have yet, I'll probably pick it up and, uh, well, make me look bad. (laughs) All right, fine, I'm going to have to pick it up now. No, so it's it's actually short. It's only eight episodes. Oh, that's not bad. That's really short. Yeah, they're they're 45-minute episodes or whatever. And really kind of the premise of it was, you know, we had Peggy Carter that made her appearance first appearance in the first Avenger, Captain America 1. And she was, you know, a pretty big deal in that movie. But she comes back to America post-war. And she's basically relegated to this administrative role, although she's this highly trained agent. Mm -hmm. And it's just really her dealing with, you know, the concept of, the the stature of a woman in 1940s America, right? Yeah. But she has Howard Stark, um, the same actor returning uh, that played Howard Stark in Captain America. Nice. Uh, He does a couple cameos. And essentially what he's asked Peggy Carter to do is clear his name because he's being charged with essentially selling military-grade weapons to uh, our enemies, or our enemies, America's enemies, (laughs) the commies or whatever you want to call them. Essentially, it just chronicles that all the way through. We have some really cool cinematic ties. We get the Red Room, which is uh, where the Black Widow program took place. Oh, interesting. Um, so you start to see a bit of that. You get a little references to the Winter Soldier program. Nice. Uh, we get the Howling Commandos in there, particularly one of my favorites, Dum Dum Duggan. Um, <laughs> That's the best name ever. <laughs> fantastic, right? Uh, we get Edward Jarvis, oh. which, so Jarvis was originally Tony Stark's butler, um, dating way back into, you know, pre-Avengers era in the comics. And what they did in Iron Man was they took Jarvis and made him an AI. So you you, you didn't have that confusion with Alfred the butler in Batman. Oh. Uh, but what they've gone back and done and said, Edwin Jarvis is actually Howard Stark's butler. Nice. And so they actually end up as this kind of tag team duo, basically performing all these missions. And their chemistry is fantastic. You know, it's one of the highlights of the show. 
That's awesome. Um, they, you know, they, they take on the Legion of Doom for the WWE World Tag Team Championships. <laughs> <laughs> Live oh, at SummerSlam. But, and like I said before, you know, Peggy Carter is always moving back and forth. We see her in Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. We see her even in Age of Ultron and Flashbacks, Winter Soldier as an old lady. So she's great. And there's, you know, even, you know, pulling that Carter thread right through. We have Sharon Carter appearing in Winter Soldier. Nice. And they haven't really revealed the ties, but she could be a niece or a granddaughter or something like that. Uh, we do know that Peggy eventually got married. And she's appearing in a much bigger way in Civil War. She looks like she's going to be on Cap's side. Oh, nice. Um, pro- maybe, and probably a love interest. You know, Haley Atwell, I can give her a huge prop. She was at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment yeah. Expo. She was fantastic. From everyone that I heard, she was did an excellent job. Just huge props to her. That's excellent that she came. Not, you know, I was super pumped to hear that she came, and she's a big star, and that's a big pull that they got last year. That was excellent. Yeah, she's big on the on the the con circuit, mm-hmm. and I think that's in part a large reason why she has such a big following, right? Yeah. She, you know, the fans are the reason that she is where she is, right? So she was a great character in the the first Avenger, and then they did a one shot. I can't remember which Blu-ray that was on. So it was like a I don't know, like a five or ten minute episode of Peggy Carter going through and kicking some ass and stuff like that. And so that was kind of like the backdoor pilot to this Agent Carter series. Yeah. And then you know she's really, really, really appreciates the fans and kind of shows up at all these cons. You know, Calgary's not a small con. No. But at the same time, it's no New York or San Diego and stuff like that. So. It's fantastic that she comes out, and you know, again, that's part of the reason why there's a season two here is the love for that character. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, season two is a two-hour uh, season premiere. It's basically the first two episodes of what's going to be a ten-episode season. So it's two episodes longer than what we got last year, which is fantastic. It's airing during the Winter Break Age of the Shield, so we kind of get the Marvel right through. So yeah. it's great for me, great for me. <laughs> so essentially, we get the same cast. Uh, we're moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. So slightly different kind of area, slightly different environment for her to kind of mess around in. We're looking at post-war Hollywood. This takes place, you know, months or so after the original season. Check out the first episode. I'm not going to spoil anything anything like that, but it's it's great. You know, we get kind of Peggy Carter back into the ass-kicking and all that. And... You know, apparently it's going to share a few elements with Doctor Strange, the series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then also some ties to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that's going on there. Do you think Doctor Strange will use his magic and maybe, like, reverse her age so that way you could have Haley Atwell? Well, that's it. Like, I wonder, because they always have to contrive these situations where, you know, we have a flashback or a Mm -hmm. memory or whatever to get her into the... It'd be interesting. I don't... It'd be... I don't know. <laughs> I, there's times I thought, how can you get Peggy yeah. Carter into the into the present-day Marvel Cinematic Universe? But then you have this Sharon Carter as well. And, yeah. you know, they're kind of somewhat replacing Agent Carter with her. Emily Van Camp is great. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what they're going to... That would be kind of cool or if they have... I don't know, maybe Doctor Strange puts a spell and Cap has, like, this vision and whatever. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be really cool. I'd like to see her in there. Maybe she'll just go to, like, the frozen food section of her local grocery and just stay frozen for 40 years <laughs> and uh, come back. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and the only other thing is that was I thought was kind of cool to point out was there's hints. So she works for the SSR, which is the precursor to S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. There's hints that the SSR, because it was a wartime division, they're going to replace it with a peacetime division, oh. which looks like we're getting the seeds for the start of S.H.I.E.L.D., which herself, Howard Stark, and the guy that Tommy Lee played 
in the movie where Tommy Lee, like the singer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, <laughs> I thought you met like Tommy Lee from like what's that band? He's from like a band. Molly Crew. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. You can tell I listen to rock music yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, no, not him. It's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Damn, that would have been so yeah. much cooler. So you know, and it's it's a high recommend for me, and it's it's got some nice ties. You know, sometimes because we get these really minor ties, you know, you, it really makes you feel like you're. And just like this with all the Marvel TV shows, mm-hmm. it's a very, very small corner yeah. of the Marvel universe. But at that, it's it's still a part of it, and mm-hmm. I love the continuity and all that. So no, that's excellent, Agent Carter. You know, hopefully they keep pumping out the quality. And I think the the good thing is because it's not twenty four episodes, they're able to put you know say twenty four episodes worth of money into ten episodes. Yeah, and being that it's a period piece and all that, they really do pull it off. Yep. And so you can see the money is put into the detail and they take careful, you know, attention to some of the details that we get, particularly when we're set in kind of 1940s or early 1950s Hollywood or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's really cool. You know, you've sold me on it. I'm going to take a look. How uh, how many episodes is season two again? Ten. Ten. Okay, so that's not bad. There are two in already, so. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to pick up the DVD and check it out. All right. So we got our first question on social media from... Mr. Samuel Jennings, he writes, or I guess he tweets. Yes. Everyone, check out this. No, wait, that sounds like, you know, we're uh, promoting ourselves. So we'll just go to the question. Is it time for a Spawn movie reboot? He thinks so. Then he asks us, hashtag discuss. Tim, you Spawn guy, do you think it's time that we finally forgive the Spawn movie from the 90s and give local Calgary boy Todd McFarlane and his spawn another chance. Well, I, I remember seeing the movie, and I read some of the comics a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember kind of the ins and outs of the character in that. But I do remember that enormous cape. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you right now, I saw it not too, too long ago. It does not hold up. No? No. Oh, no. The CG is not. <laughs> it's, it's probably time for a spawn reboot, you know? It's yeah. something that... What, how long? What was the original done in the early two thousands? No, I think it's like ninety seven. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, you know it's funny you say that because on the DVD case I just bought it, it says the CGI event of the year. <laughs> ninety seven. I'm sure it was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're almost thirty years later, so. Yeah. Well, make, well, that no. sounds crazy. <laughs> That's not that many. No, years. I think it's twenty. Almost 20. twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's twenty years later. <laughs> yeah, but no, I agree. Spawn is an excellent character. You know, with Deadpool getting an R rating, you could get an R rated Spawn movie. So you know, with the CGI being better, with comic book movies in general being better, I think that's an excellent idea. I would love to see a Spawn movie. I mean, I remember when that movie came out. I went to it. My parents took me, and I was much too young to watch it. But I thought that movie was excellent. Like I loved it. And then I got all the action figures. But man, those figures were cheaply made. Mine broke within like two weeks. <laughs> like, is it that hard to make like a good Spawn figure? I think actually there's another Image Comics character. I think the name is Deadshot or Dead Blood or Bloodshot or something like that. But I hear he's getting a comic book movie coming up. So if that's a hit, look for Spawn to make his reappearance in the silver screen. Well, we appreciate the question. Yes. And again, if you guys have any other questions, fire us an email, Twitter, and we'll read them out in the show and we'll answer them right here live. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that brings us to the end. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
sans me, but <laughs> I'll be replaced with Troy. Yes, so we don't quite don't quite know what we're going to talk about, but it'll probably be something related to comic books or movies. Would be Star Trek, in my assumption. They're going to be talking all about Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. No, we'll figure something out here probably in the next few days and kind of run down there. Or if you guys have any ideas for a show, give us a shout out, and we'd love to discuss it. So for the Nerd Room, I'm Sanjay. I'm Tim. This has been the Nerd Room. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find our hosts, Tim and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and 1912Podcasting. You can also email us at TheNerdRM at gmail.com and 1912Entertainment at gmail.com.